What would church be like if every pastor taught the adults the way we teach children? That, that answer, however you answer that question, it should tell you a lot about the church that you are in right now. If the answer is that some of the adults would actually grow in their knowledge, it tells you that you or your pastor might actually need to slow it down. But if you look at the way your children are being taught and think, you know, we could probably do better by them, we could probably give them more, then today's guest, Chris Ammon of Kaleidoscope, has something for you. Welcome back to the All Things All People podcast. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jenkins. I'm your host. And today's guest, today's Christian thinker, devotes his time and energy mostly to helping parents and churches reach and teach a, a part of the church that often is neglected. And that is children who have outgrown children's Bibles, but aren't ready for what we might consider, quote unquote, adult Bibles. And that is the mission of Kaleidoscope, producing these beautifully made and wonderfully written editions in, um, of, of all of the books of the Bible. Kaleidoscope has this, has this goal that in the next seven years, they want to finish uh, writing uh, Kaleidoscope editions of every book of the Bible. Um, and it's for children, like I said, who, who maybe they're, they're past that Jesus storybook Bible, um, but they don't have anything for them. You need to check out Kaleidoscope and what Chris and his team are doing. Check that out in the show notes this very minute. Um, but, but before you check out and say, I, Jeremy, I don't have kids. I'm not in kids ministry. I'm not interested in this type of stuff. Let me, let me stop you right there because our conversation is about so much more than kids ministry. It's about how do we teach? How do we communicate the word of God? the love of Jesus, the good news, the evangelion, the gospel, and how do we expect it to be received? And, and I can tell you right now, as, as a pastor, as a communicator, as a teacher, as a preacher, my conversation with Chris was hugely challenging to me because sometimes I, I fall into the trap that I'd imagine many of you fall into is that, you know, hey, everybody knows the gospel. Everybody knows the Bible. Mm, no, not so much. Not anymore. And, and Chris talks about this concept um, I actually use the phrase in this interview, biblical literacy, and he sort of corrects me. And I really appreciate it and said, you know, I prefer biblical fluency. I want you to ask yourself the question, are you, is your family, is your church fluent in the Bible? Not are they literate, not can they understand what the Bible is trying to say, but just like when you go to a different country and you hear your heart language spoken, something leaps inside of you. Are you fluent in the Bible? Is the Bible, is the word of God your heart language? And that's what Chris Ammon and his team at Kaleidoscope are trying to see raised up in the next generation of Christians that's coming up. Um, I'm so excited that you're here to listen. And I want to tell you about something exciting that's starting next week. Next week in the podcast feed, and actually for two weeks, you are going to see a completely different show pop up in this feed. And that is Basecamp. Basecamp is where the ATAP crew is going out, not just on mission, but on missions to the places that are least likely to have the gospel of Jesus Christ shared, shared with them and shared to them and shared in them. ATAP is going into the dark. Um, 
And we're coming back to our base camp. I'm actually sitting right now in the ATAP Training Center and Studio uh, in our hometown of Forest City, North Carolina, where we record these episodes. And we are debriefing with you and for you from these experiences, going through the things that we were surprised by, telling you the stories that we experienced, and teaching and training on these various worldviews, faiths, philosophies, and religions. Uh, and hopefully equipping you and training you to go out and have uh, adventures and missions very similar to the ones that we've been able to have. And even if it's just a neighbor who's Hindu, base camp number two is for you. Maybe you're curious, you've heard about things like Scientology, and you want to you want to know, how do I engage with somebody who's in a cult? Well, base camp one, the episode on Scientology that's coming out next week is for you. So, so be ready for that. After these next two weeks, base camp's going to move to once a month, the first week of every month. And it's actually going to be published alongside the normal ATAP podcast episode. So those first weeks of the month, you're going to get a double dose of ATAP in two different shows. And, uh, and so I'm really, really excited for that. I hope you are too. It's, I think it's going to be big. I think people are going to be um, blown away by some of the experiences that we've been honored and privileged to have. And I, and I just continually ask everybody who supports ATAP to pray for us as we go out on these, on these operations, on these missions, um, into the dark, as we say. And so, uh, so be ready for that. Be, be ready for base camp one Scientology, which is next week. And then boom, right after that base camp two, the next week is, is Hinduism. And then we're jumping back in with some pretty amazing guests, uh, to round out September. But this week talking about, are you biblically fluent? Not just literate. Are you biblically fluent? What's going on in your children's ministry? What's going on from your pulpit, from your stage? How's the Bible being communicated? And that's the leader of Kaleidoscope producing some of the most beautiful children's stuff that I've ever seen, but also just some of the most informative um, biblical literature going on in the world right now. Chris Ammon, our Christian thinker for this week. Let's do it. My next guest is the founder of Kaleidoscope a company that is producing every book of the Bible in a creative and visually stunning way to help bridge the gap between things like the Jesus Storybook Bible and your modern day translations that you and I carry around every day. By doing that, they are not just increasing biblical literacy, but also increasing the odds that our children will have an opportunity to realize the life-changing power of Jesus and his good news. He is a former kids pastor with a wealth of experience that whether or not you have kids or serving kids ministry, you can surely benefit from. And it is with that in mind, it's my honor to have on the show today, Chris Ammon. Chris, this is awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, Jeremy, thanks for having me on, man. This is, uh, this is so cool to be with you. Um, so for, for those who, who are uninitiated um, to, to what Kaleidoscope's doing, obviously there's going to be many times where I'm going to tell people to go check it out. Um, I'll, I'll just start off with this because I, I'm not like, I was literally just having a conversation with one of our graphic designers at church. Uh, are you, vis- are you visually inclined? Are you like a graphics guy an art guy? Um, if you go to, I know I, I checked out y'all's website. You have an incredible team of creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and when somebody, when somebody checks out kaleidoscope stuff, the covers and everything on the inside is just, I mean, it, it's really moving in all honesty. Is that you or is that your team or what's going yeah, on? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the really beautiful things about Kaleidoscope. And, you know, later I can give you more about like yeah. what, where the name came from and everything, but I am um, just one person. 
in, in this organization. I'm the leader of it, you know, clearly, but I really see us as having a kaleidoscope of voices mm-hmm. and contributors and people who can bring their gifts to bear on the project a, mm-hmm. as a whole. And so like, it's a little bit of dumb luck. Like, like I, I am visually inclined. I like things of beauty. I like to listen to good music and enjoy good art. Um, I don't uh, actually possess those skills though, (laughs) but I know people who do. And, uh, and so I was telling you before we started recording, you know, I just have the gift of asking and, and uh, just being able to go and ask people if they want to be a part. And so Mm -hmm. Like our cover designer is somebody who is the sister of a friend back from Tuscaloosa who does artwork. And um, I just loved what she did and uh, asked her to be a part of it. And she said, yes. And, you know, same thing with our illustrators. Like I'll, I'll meet an illustrator, I'll work with them and I'll be like, okay, well, can you introduce me to two other people that you, that, you know, and I'd love to talk to, so I'm always willing to talk to people Um and, and then if they've got the talent and the vision and the time to contribute, I'm going to look for ways to, to get them involved. Yeah. Do you think like, so obviously what you, what you guys are doing, which is incredible. How many, how many books have you guys put out so far? Yeah. So this month we have our eighth book coming okay. out, so, but, mm-hmm. but by 2028, I believe the goal, the goal is to have all 66. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and some of the, yeah, a daunting goal for sure. But I, I mean, you guys are already at an incredible pace. Yeah. And some of the books, you know, have, you know, two or three books within the book. So like Caroline Saunders wrote a volume on Jonah and Joel and Amos all in one volume. So, um, so there's some of that going on as well, but yeah. And that's, that's another reason to have so many people involved in in the project is I could not write all 66 books by myself you know, I might be, I might be, uh, you know, 166 by the time I'm done. So it'll be (laughs) got to have more people involved. So was it important to you, uh, the idea of, um, in the mission statement and the description that the company has on their website, I think just says it beautifully. Is that like, you know, so, so many times kids will like my, my kids, I have an eight and a three-year-old. And so my eight-year-old is still in the Jesus storybook Bible, but she, she literally first day of third grade today, like she's going to move past that soon. Um, and it seems like the thesis statement kaleidoscopes operating with is like, right now we're not serving our kids extremely well in that once they get past things like Jesus storybook Bible, then we're starting to get into either sort of like a watered down kids book that, you know, um, you know, sort of glosses over more nitty gritty parts of the Bible or basically an ESV completely not different than what I carry that might have a couple illustrations. And you guys basically said, Hey, this isn't, this isn't good enough for our fifth and our sixth graders, or maybe more like fourth and fifth. But um, was there something to reaching that demographic that you guys said, oh, man, I'll tell you what those kids need, though. When they look at the pictures, when they look at the cover, they they have to be drawn to it because of the art. Was there something to that and why it's such an important part of what you all do? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of little aha moments that I had, you know, as we were kind of forming the idea for Kaleidoscope, you know, obviously I I work in a local church um, as a kid's pastor still do Mm -hmm. um, on a part-time basis. And I just noticed that, you know, my, my pre-K kindergarten, first grade students, there's just a, a, you know, a glut of resources on the market for that age demographic. And I think there's good reason for it. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to mimic other picture books yeah. and, uh, and to develop, you know, children's Bibles and resources for kids at that age. 
But um, just like you said, like what we do, and I've got um, an eight-year-old as well, is in this past year, you know, I handed him his first, you know, full-length translation Bible, but those are written at a high school level. Yeah. And so, you know, bless his heart, like he, he tries, you know, but, but uh, I just saw a kid after kid coming through my ministry who uh, they were so excited about the Bible when they were in early elementary, and then they start to lose interest towards late elementary. And I think that there's a lot of different things at play with that, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, they get into competitive sports or they, um, you know, start uh, just developing and maturing and, and their mind starts wandering to other things. But I think at least a part of the equation is that we don't do a great job giving them resources to transition them out of that baby Bible stage. And so uh, my own son, like he loves reading chapter books and um, some of his favorites, let's see if, if your son uh, has some of the favorites, but uh, dog man. Uh, I've, heard, is, I've heard it. My eight-year-old, my eight-year-old is a little girl who is okay is uh is he is like she will tear apart a chapter book her big ones um diary of a wimpy kid yep. has, has your boy gotten into that diary of oh a wimpy kid. yes i've heard a dog man uh there's a there's a few others what is your what's your boy into like uh captain underpants yeah there's been a little bit of that yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so what i noticed with those books is that they have got more text less illustration uh, but still have illustrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in chapter book form. And so they just kind of tear through them because they're like three or four page chapters. Yeah. They keep it, they keep the pages turning. So I wanted to model kaleidoscope after chapter books so that they felt familiar to kids when they picked them up. Mm, yeah, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I've been meaning to ask you this and, and I'm, I'm so glad I'm, I'm recalling this when I first was checking out kaleidoscope. Um, I saw that you guys, I think, had done judges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for listeners who are like, you know, there's this there's this tension when you're teaching kids the Bible. Um, so like when you get to Genesis or when you get to the, the flood in Genesis or you get to in judges, you know, Deborah putting the spike through somebody's head. Mm-hmm. And there's there's the ever present tension of like, how descriptive am I going to be? Or even, you know, like is this exactly the right time to introduce the fact that like the flood isn't just uh, a playground that you had at kids ministry. It's like, there, there were, I mean, it's, you know, it's like there were people in the water for goodness sake. Like how do you guys tackle that, but stay, but stay, you know, faithful to the text and the principles you're obviously teaching, but then also not, you know, scare the kids or, 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 or maybe even put more work on the parents who are just trying to, you know, get their kids something uh, to give them in the word. Yeah, that's a really good question. And we do it with a lot of prayer, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of asking for wisdom because these things are are not easy. Yeah. Uh, and, and every parent, every child has a different tolerance level for what they deem appropriate, you know, for, yeah. their, right. for their children. So, you know, I can't pretend to be everybody's parent mm-hmm. and make decisions, but at the same time, like God gave his word to his children and it is good and right for us to not hide the word from, from our children. I think it's Psalm 78 warns us against that. And so I want to give the kids the, the whole story, the real story, but also give it to them in an appropriate way. So a good illustration of that is um, whenever we talk about adultery in a kaleidoscope book, um, you know, that's always like one that people are like, how in the world are you going to talk about adultery? 
And, uh, and I have found that actually in explaining it in a kid friendly way, you get more at the true essence of what adultery is. And so we use the language of, you know, somebody treated more than one person like they were their husband or their wife. And, and there, you know, you've, you've broken down adultery into the real sin behind the sin. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, so I think, you know, we can be honest about what's going on and, you know, be sensitive to to the developmental stages of our kids too. Have you gotten much feedback from parents who are like, um, Hey, I, I didn't even know that, you know, like, or or just like, cause like, even just the way you said that, I was like, oh yeah, we, we like to make things more complex than they need to be. And really what you're talking about is bringing it down to the root level. You got to have some parents being like, Hey, I'm, you're teaching me as much as my kid is learning. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I, I'd say, you know, maybe 5% of our customers don't even have kids. Oh, really? Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And they just want a simpler way to study their Bible and understand it. They want to read it alongside their Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jeremy, as you're talking about judges, like that's a, it brings up just something that I was thinking about the other day uh, of why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of uh, kids resources, they're great. Like I, I use the Jesus Storybook Bible. I use the Read Aloud Bible stories with our kids and love them. We'll continue to use them. I don't disparage them in any way, shape yeah. or form. Right. Um, but I think sometimes we're not being as thoughtful about our use of those books as we ought. And, um, one of the things that I've noticed is like, what, who's your favorite musical artist right now? I'm in a big Ben Rector thing, you know, Ben, ben Rector. Rector. Fantastic. Um, so Jeremy, if, if I gave you only the greatest hits album of yeah. Ben Rector, mm. And then years later, I gave you all of his albums and expected you to enjoy and appreciate all of Ben Rector's volume of work as much as the greatest hits album. That would be ludicrous. Right. Yeah. And but but in some ways, what we do with um, kids Bibles is we give kids a greatest hits album. You know, that here's here's the 50 stories that we want to tell you because they're the most exciting. And, and, and I think rightly so, like there are turning points and stories in the Bible that are very important, perhaps yeah. some more important than others. But we don't teach our kids the patience that they need to mine the diamonds that are in the Bible or the patience to, you know, as you're reading through Genesis to get through some of the things that are not as glamorous and not right. as, um, yeah, not as action packed. Right. You know, so, so in saying that too, like really, I suppose then a lot could be said about the way we do kids ministry in our churches. And obviously you, you know, you served as a kids pastor. You said you're still serving as one now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I think about themes biblically that are, you know, if you and I were to make a, a list of the top 10 most important themes in the Bible, like some of them are not found at all in our kids ministries or even our kids Bibles, things like suffering, like you've already mentioned, um, adultery in some sense, you know, Hosea is not going to find itself into most kids' Bibles, but it's a great picture of God's love for, for Israel and, and now the church. Um, do you think that in a sense, what you're doing with Kaleidoscope, and I know that this is more grandiose than what you guys are, I mean, right now you're just trying to get 66 books done. Um, but like, do, do you think that the way that we're thinking, the way you guys are thinking really needs to find itself into many more facets than just the curriculums and tools we're using, but just more how we approach dealing uh, with how we 
minister to our kids in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like in the spring I wrote Joshua. Yeah. Um, so over the rivers, our volume on Joshua. Mm-hmm. And I found that in, in doing like a long form uh, book on Joshua, which ended up being about a hundred pages, you know, for, for kids, I was able to draw out some of the theological themes that play itself out in Joshua that you're just not going to get if all you focus on is, uh, you know, walking around the walls of Jericho. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wanted to focus on the longing for home that has been in every human heart since creation was taken away from us in the fall and the longing for home that the Israelites had as they wandered through the desert back towards uh, Canaan and the longing for our eternal rest that we still have uh, today. And, and to see that what is happening in Joshua is so much bigger than just taking back their land from the enemy or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, making walls fall down and spirit people and stuff like that. Like, like this is about a bigger picture that God is trying to paint throughout a scripture. And I think that we're able to slow down with kaleidoscope and explore some of those things that honestly, like, because our children are made in the image of God, they have those questions. They have a longing for a home, whether that's a physical home or a spiritual Mm -hmm. home, they have that longing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's incredible because really like when you say that kind of stuff and you talk about Joshua is not just about the walls or um, as for me in my house, I will serve the Lord and all these things. And you pull out some themes in there that, that are, 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 are less clear is, do you, do you think that in a, like you mentioned there, there's, there's parents, there's people without kids reading these books. Um, biblical literacy. I, I mentioned that when I was introducing you, like the idea of like, we definitely do need to see biblical literacy go on the rise in our churches, especially like in the Bible belt of which you and I are, are both in. You have a population of people who are, I mean, extremely familiar with the Bible, extremely familiar with Christianity. But if you ask them what Joshua was about, they wouldn't be able to give you the answer you just gave me. Do you think biblical literacy really has to become more than just learning how to pronounce the old Testament names correctly, um, or being able to tell me where, you know, where, where Jesus was born and where he was killed, um, and extends really more into understanding the, like the narrative tools. Is that kind of maybe where your mind's at too across the board? Cause I know you, you know, kids, the, the myth is that kids pastors only deal with kids. You talk to parents every single week, you talk, you know, you, you probably teach from time to time. Like there has to be a desire for you that Hey, it can't just be our kids. You yeah. have to begin seeing and reading these things too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and uh, and not only just kids and parents, but volunteers. Yeah. Like a lot of my volunteers, you know, they're teaching kids and they're also learning the story on Saturday night when they're preparing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't forget that. But you know, use the term biblical literacy, which I think is is a great term. I prefer the term biblical fluency. Yes. You know, where where like. I am helping children not just know in their head, but feel in their heart yeah. the gospel yeah. and the rhythms and to be able to have um, good answers and good um, just uh, sensibilities about them that when I feel this or see mm-hmm. this tension in the world or uh, long for this or struggle with this, that that is saying something deeply about the image of God in me. Yeah instead of trying to answer those questions and struggles and dilemmas yeah. with all sorts of other 
um, uh, fluencies that they might yeah. develop over time. Yeah. I mean, it, that is an incredible uh, way to look at it. And it, it kind of even draws my mind towards like, obviously when we think fluency, we think languages and, um, and, I, I do a lot of traveling and I mean, you know, like um, we do a lot of work with world religions with ATAP and like one of the things that you'll find when you talk to people from other cultures is like, if I expect them to speak to me in English, our conversation is going to be stunted a little bit, especially if I'm trying to get at the heart of the gospel. But if yeah. I even make a little bit of effort to learn their language, that's when you see people's faces light up. And that's when you see friendships really, really bond. How can, how can leaders just me and you um, people in positions like ours better, better serve, whether it be our congregations, the kids, the volunteers by sort of establishing with them, like, Hey, like you said, let's get fluent in the gospel. Let's not just get fluent, even in the Bible, but the gospel, um, like, how do you design? Obviously, you know, I, hey, part of it's go buy kaleidoscope right now, you know, but like, I mean, that's certainly part of it. But like, but, you know, I, I know, too, you're probably walking around your church and like what you do Monday through Friday with kaleidoscope, you're seeing the needs for it in the youth ministry, in the adult Sunday school, in the kids ministry, and probably even teach. We won't. Uh, your pastor probably is phenomenal. But like, you know, even how we, in how we teach from our pulpits and our, in our stages, um, how can we become holistically better at being biblically fluent gospel fluent so that, you know, our adults, um, are being engaged just as much as these kids who are reading kaleidoscope. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, for pastors and preachers, and I, I do a, a fair amount of preaching, I don't preach yeah. every week at all, but, um, is that when I'm teaching adults, a pastor that I work for back in Alabama, he used to tell me, Chris, like always try to put the cookies on the lowest shelf possible. You know, not, not, don't dumb down what you're trying to say, but realize that you are speaking to a group of people who are not theologians, who are not trained in the Bible. And you want to take something profound, like, like what I was talking about earlier with adultery and say it in the simplest way possible. Don't try to impress anybody. Mm -hmm. you know, nobody's impressed by, by your big theological terms up in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. um, say things simply so that not, not just your you know, average 35, 40 year old in the pew can understand it, but that the 10 year olds in there can mm -hmm. understand it as well. So yeah. I think like, like think about preaching to the smallest person in the room mm -hmm. um, while not talking down to them, but, but talking to them like, you know, they're, they're a child who's yeah. trying to understand this for the very first time. Cause it's yeah. likely that your 40 year olds are trying to understand it for the very first time as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 That's I, 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 I've found that we're, I am surprised at how many people are, like you just said, are in a pew or a chair on a Sunday morning or at your small group. And it is the first time they've ever had to deal with like, Oh gosh, like how did, the atonement happen, you know, like, and so when we just kind of swing by it, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's incredible, but, um, I, I can't, I can't forsake the idea that like, here you are sitting there, uh, you know, now in Tennessee, having been through Alabama, um, you know, I, I think we mentioned you're, you're originally from Florida. How was it that, you know, you got to the point where, you know, you attend university of Florida and, and you can go to seminary and all these things. And, you know, what was it about your childhood? What was it about your adolescence? Even that, as you look back on it, you are so 
passionate about this. It couldn't have just been like, oh, I ended up being a kid's pastor. Like nobody just ends up being a kid's pastor, hopefully. Um, you know, but like <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, I, I just ended up being a, a youth pastor for seven years. But um, how, well, what was it about even your upbringing, your adolescence that makes you so passionate now about seeing this type of stuff come to fruition? Yeah, yeah. So if you dug not, but uh, I did not grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, as a teenager, was actively against the church and, and was an atheist. Yeah. I uh, did not believe that it was true. I thought I was this opiate for the masses, did not answer the big questions of the world. And I was very into science and, you know, how in the world. And then, and then later, you know, you find out that actually God, you know, is right there in the midst of science. Yeah, he's pretty um, into science, too. Yeah, he's, he likes science a lot. <laughs> he actually created it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't become a Christian until my senior year of high school. And so one of the uh, you know things that play for me is that I was never a child in children's ministry. Like I don't yeah, me neither. Yeah. I don't have any memories of growing up in Sunday school or anything like that. So I just I feel like I'm able to approach children's ministry from kind of a blank slate. I don't have these preconceived notions of how it should or shouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. I just want to be helpful to, um, to, to kids that, you know, I'm able to minister to. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a big thing for me. And then I was an elementary education major mm-hmm. in college, uh, which is long story. We have another show, you know, about, <laughs> that, about how I got to be an elementary ed major. Yeah. But I began to realize as I went through seminary, that because I went to seminary, I wanted to be a, you know, a big pastor, you know, yeah. preach from a big pulpit and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, you know, I realized pretty quickly uh, the, the trappings of that life and, yeah. uh, and, and just the immaturity that I had as a 26 year old. And so, and, and at the same time realized I have a pretty unique perspective and a unique set of skills and desires mm-hmm. uh, to work with kids. Yeah. And so that really kind of drew me into children's ministry. And then, you know, over the past decade, there have been seasons of my life where I've wondered, am I, uh, am I being called to be a senior pastor somewhere? Am I being called to step out of children's ministry? And every time that I've tried to explore those waters, the Lord has said, absolutely not. Like, no way, Jose. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, the opportunities just haven't been there or the doors have shut very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I have had to repent of the notion that uh, if you're worth your salt in ministry, one day you'll be a lead pastor. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the fact is that the Lord calls some to be lead senior preaching pastors and he calls some to minister to children. Mm-hmm. And at this point, um, as a 37 year old, I'm a children's pastor. Right. And, and I don't see any end in sight uh, yeah. for that. Uh, so I feel more and more at, at home in my skin yeah. and, and at home being a children's pastor. I was a student pastor for, for seven years. And at my church, I did grade six through 12. I could, I, I can't do kids ministry. Like, I, I mean, I, if I need, if I need to, I, I will, but there, there's so many gifted people that I, I lean on in my church, but I, I can remember, you know, the middle of my ministry and student ministry talking to a, a couple lead pastors and from different churches and just me kind of very exasperated going, ah, I get a guy, I got to get out of student ministry, you know? And mm-hmm. one of them looked at me and goes, I've been trying to get back into student ministry for 25 mm-hmm. years, 
you know, and like yeah. at the time it was a joke. Now, now I am in, in a lead role and I'm like, Oh, I mean, like, I know I'm where I need to be, but I'm like, man, those are sweet times, yeah. you know? And like, and for you, I'm sure like, I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear you say that like, Hey, 37, I don't see an end in sight because like, we need more people like that. Like we need more people who, who don't fall into that. Just like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. I think like the average time for like a youth kids pastor in our, in our culture is like a year and a half. Yeah. And I'm like, no wonder so many kids leave. Cause they just go all those guys that came in to lead me left. Why don't I just leave too? Right. You know? Um, right. I mean, so that's, that's, I'm sure, um, I'm sure it's really rewarding too. You've been doing it long enough now to where a lot of those kids that you've ministered to over the years, they're, I mean, they got to be near adult age now too. Yeah. Some, some yeah, of them. yeah the, the, lo- the longitudinal nature of ministry is really sweet in kids ministry because you get to see them grow up and become yeah. adolescents and adults. Yeah. And, and two, like I get to be on the front lines of mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to see every month children come to faith. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I get man. to see con- conversions and baptisms and mm-hmm. things that, you know, I think adult pastors do get to see, yeah. but I, I just feel like I get to see it at an even greater rate. And it is so fun to be on the front lines of mission like that. Well, and kids too, like there's not as much pretense. There's not as much, I mean, just the, kids aren't fake, you, you know? And, and so, so yeah. many adults, especially like you're, you're in Tennessee, you served in Alabama, I'm in North Carolina everybody I meet is a Christian until they accept Christ, you know, and like, and that, you know, and, and I mean, I make light of that, but yeah. for the most part, a lot of the kids you're, you're dealing with there, whether through kaleidoscope or your, your local church ministry, they're sitting there going, no, I no, pastor Chris, I don't understand what you mean. Run that back, you know? Yeah. And yeah. you, do you think like, I mean, you have to see that desire for the, the adults, you know, Jesus said like, Hey, look at the little children. Like, look at how they come to me. That's how I want you to come to me. Like, how can, how can we, maybe it is putting things like kaleidoscope in their hands and saying, you don't know as much about the Bible as you think you do. Maybe give something like this a try. Um, I mean, do you think we need to see generations adults go, Hey, pass, Hey, Pat, run that back. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. And we got to see that start happening. That's so much of a church culture thing too. Like, like your church can embody a, a culture that, uh, just shuts down the willingness yeah. to ask questions and be curious and creates a culture of shame for those mm-hmm. who don't, uh, yeah. you know, uh, have a certain level of knowledge or maturity or yeah. whatever. And instead, like, you know, I think uh, the, the leadership of a church can really lead, lead out and showing their weaknesses, showing, you know, where they don't, I don't, shoot, I don't, I don't know everything there is to know about theology or the Bible, right. either. you know, yeah. just like you were all at different stages and it's okay to not know, Yeah. Um, you know, be stupid to mm-hmm. just sit on your hands and never ask a question. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now, now in, and for listeners, um, you really do need to go check out these, these books that Kaleidoscope's putting out because not only are they visually stunning, but like you, you can even like check out like the Amazon previews and, and go on the website and check it out. The, the text is phenomenal too. Um, I have to think that, you know, they're at, at covenant in St. Louis and, and then now many years of, uh, of pastoral ministry, there's been a lot of authors, um, thinkers that have shaped the way you think. And I think that we see that on the page. Obviously you have, you have a great team that a lot of other people are writing and, and involved in this. Uh, what were some of like the more monumental 
thinkers, people, mentors, books that really shaped how you think and how you approach ministry uh, now that you're leading Kaleidoscope and then, like you've said, you know, leading kids to Christ and, and kids ministry? Yeah. I mean, I think from a, from a high level, um, probably the two most influential writers for me were Sandra Richter, hmm. um, Epic yeah. of Eden, uh, you know, that, that, um, just that covenant theology yeah. that I got, um, you know, it was, was so influential. Christopher Wright is huge. Yeah. I, know, I think I threw you a suggestion one time. That, yeah. Okay. That's, that's hilarious. That, that was you. Yeah. Yeah. Christopher Wright is phenomenal. He and Sandra kind of, I think, read off the same page of music. Mm-hmm. So those were two like real influential people for me um, from like a big picture theology pr- perspective. You know, obviously Sally Lloyd-Jones is like, yeah. she's the queen of children's ministry. Sure. So yeah, uh, that's, she's uh, fascinating too. Oh, she's phenomenal. And her accent is just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been great. And then like kind of more um, like present day for me, Seeds Family Worship has been a huge influence on me. Like just the ability like to see that we can make the Bible really fun. Like mm-hmm. we can make the Bible not boring at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they do it great through music. I want to do the same thing through writing. Uh, wow. And then another person, I think that you know her, but uh, Caroline Saunders. Um yeah. And she's, she's written with us. Mm-hmm. I don't know her personally, of course, but yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I, I did not know all that I was getting into when I started building a friendship with Caroline, but you yeah. know, she's, she's written a book with us now. Hopefully we'll write more, but she has a sense about her. I, I, I genuinely think that she's like probably the next big thing mm. in, uh, you know, women's ministry and, uh, and that sort but, but her personality uh, around the Bible, just being honest about life and the Bible mm-hmm. has, has bled through into my writing uh, in ways that I did not foresee coming. Uh, yeah. and she's a tremendous influence. Yeah. So, uh, you know, okay. So you mentioned Sally Lloyd Jones. Of course, people who, who might not be like, I'll say this somebody who doesn't know who Sally Lloyd Jones is probably doesn't have children um, because. <laughs> she she wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, which really yeah. kind of was a game changer insofar as like children's Bibles and just the way like, honestly, she kind of did for children's Bibles what Eugene Peterson did with the message in a lot of ways, like as far mm. as just like really made it something like I could sit down and read this. But what you see with her and like the people that you even just mentioned, some of them very much involved in ministry, you know, and then theology is, and this is all we're about at all things, all people is like the idea of like, Hey, think like a Christian and really don't be afraid to think, um, Lord willing, this next generation of kids resources and things like Kaleidoscope, you guys are obviously leading the way quite well with that. Um, we have to teach our children how to think, not just, not just you know, I love RAs and I'm like you though. Like I did not grow up in kids ministry. So I actually still like, I am in my church, like, um, one of the lead pastors, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the people that they come to with theological questions and obviously the work I do with ATAP, but I still struggle with the books of the Bible in order because I didn't grow up in kids ministry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, I'm so bad at things like Bible drills. It's embarrassing, you know, Uh but like those things are good, but only if we're teaching the children like, Hey, but how does this change your mind? How does this change your heart? Um, 
with this creative process, with how art driven you guys are at Kaleidoscope, with how, um, you know, the, the writing is, is very, very, very profound. How are you guys keeping your fingers on the pulse of like, let's really teach children what it means to internalize, like hide the word of God deep within your heart so that when they get to high school, college, or even just plain old adulthood, it's still there. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things is, is just keeping our pulse on um, what kids are really interested in and what what motivates and drives them. And so one of the things that we've done is we've, we've developed a curriculum around um, the kaleidoscope books called uh, kaleidoscope teams. Yeah. And it's a, it's a curriculum. uh, I'm trying not to make this a little infomercial here, but it's, it's, that's what do it, do it. It's literally Because if you don't, I will. And I don't want your product. Yeah, Kaleidoscope Teams is literally the best thing that I've done in children's ministry. Mm. And what it does is it uh, it, it taps into uh, a particularly upper elementary kids' natural desire to be competitive, mm. uh, but to also learn things in community. And uh, and so you know the, the Kaleidoscope Teams really came out of this thing, uh, this idea of. Uh, I was struggling with my upper elementary kids and I didn't know how to really engage them in formative Bible study that would shape their hearts and, and lives. And, uh, and one night I was out at the soccer fields because I coach my, my kids soccer teams. And I looked around and all the kids that uh, weren't in church on Sunday were out there at the soccer fields playing soccer on teams yeah. and competing. And mm-hmm. I thought, what, what if we can bring the best of what's going on out here at the soccer fields and bring it into the church. Mm-hmm. And instead of calling people volunteers or leaders, we call them coaches and they're coaching kids in and knowing God and sharing their stories and everything. And, and we just developed this curriculum that was really based around what I learned at a soccer complex. Uh, and it has been the best thing uh, out there. So I know yeah. that might not be a great answer to your question, but one of the things oh, is yeah. a, a, a pulse on like, okay, where are our kids' hearts naturally yeah. being drawn? And yeah. then let's draw that. Let's use that to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one of my, uh, are you a hunter at all? Do you hunt? I, uh, from time to time, I live in the South. So yeah, but I'm from the North. So when I came down, I, I had to learn. Yeah. I don't, I don't hunt, but um, people I know hunt. Yeah. And uh, a pastor I know, he loves to use the metaphor of turkey hunting, like okay. call, call people where they already want to go. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know, kids are already drawn towards camaraderie and uh, competition and teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So call them where they already want to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it, I think too often, not just in kids ministry, but student ministry too, and, and really all forms of, of, of just trying to reach people mm-hmm. is like, I, I found all the time when I was a student pastor, like I at times dictated what I thought kids should be interested in. And then I was disappointed and even discouraged sometimes like when, you know, an effort, a campaign, an event would fall flat on its face. And I would realize later, like, well, I'm 10 years older at the time I was 10 years older. And now if I was still in student ministry, if I was in kids ministry, the gap's even wider. And I, yeah, I, I have no idea what these kids like. I don't right. know. I don't know what makes them tick. And so like, even that notion should be enough for somebody to kind of realize like, okay, you know, not just kaleidoscope, but just even thinking that way of like, no matter what you're trying to do, if you're leading the senior adult Sunday school class, um, you should be trying to tap into where are you guys already looking at? What are you doing? And obviously 
too often we know that churches, man, we are so good at going way too far in that direction right. and just appeasing a culture, but mm-hmm. um, as opposed to utilizing it. So, um, so people got to know this. I, I, I just, I, I knew, I remember looking at y'all's website and just being like, good Lord, they're endorsed by everybody. So for those who haven't already been sold yet, um, Risen Motherhood, is a big fan of y'all's journey women, Hunter Bielis, um, the journey women podcast, um, is a fan, well-watered women, uh, Carol, Caroline Saunders, as you already mentioned. Um, and so you, you guys really have a who's who of people, um, who not only endorse you, but use you right. and in, 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 in reaching and engaging their own children, which really, um, I, I have a ton of parents who listen to this and, and I get questions all the time about like, how do you, how do you reach? How do you engage your kids? And I'm like, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I struggle with that too. And so I'm so glad to now be able to say, Hey, listen, like you got to go check this out. Um, and so for listeners, if you haven't already been sold, go check out the link in the show notes, because it's going to be there. Um, if you have kids, uh, really of any age at all, but especially that, that higher elementary, lower middle school, um, right about when kids start going to youth group, I think is, is or when yeah. you start gearing that way, they got to check this out. And so Chris, um, I love what you guys do. Um, and tell your team, by the way, I meant to say this, I, I read all your teams, your, like the staff and volunteers and everybody, the bios. And, um, one that impressed me was one of your team says, she's really serious about Jesus. And I think, um, I, <laughs> but not I, much else, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, I think we could use a little bit of that. In how we engage our, now we got to be silly. We got to be fun. We have to be art driven and beauty driven, but we got to be serious too. And I think that you guys are really going to be a big part of changing the culture and evangelicalism of how we go about talking about our faith and about Jesus and the gospel with our kids. So thanks for what you're doing, man. And and pass that along to your team as well. I'm so appreciative of the time you've given me too. And we'll have to, we'll have to do it again and talk about uh, how you just, ended up being an elementary ed major at university of Florida. So, but we'll do, but we'll, we'll do it again. And, uh, and, and, but so thank you so much, man. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate you, man.